GM, GM, welcome to Web3 Academy, your one trusted source to capitalize on the next big phase of the internet. Don't get caught in the hype cycle. I'm Jay Bird, joined by my host, Kyle Reedhead, and we believe that Coinbase is going to change the world, the SEC. Ooh, I don't know. That's why we're carving a path for doers to confidently build and invest in Web3. That's a good one. I like that. This week, we have a wild, wild week. If you have been on Twitter or really anywhere, you've probably heard the news, but Gary Gensler has gone absolutely rogue and he's suing Binance, Binance US. He's suing Coinbase. This is heating up. It is crazy. So we'll discuss that. We'll break down everything going on there. That's a wild, wild story. Apple Vision Pro launched last, was it Friday? We're going to talk about that, or maybe it was Monday. I can't remember now. My days are all over the place. Monday, yeah. And so we're going to talk about that and what that means and and what's going on there. Louis Vuitton is launching a $40,000 NFT, and it's pretty sweet. We'll talk about what that is. Atomic Wallet has been hacked, and users have lost more than $32 million. We'll also break that down. And actually, so much more. We've got a free mint. We've got a bunch of stories for you, some raises. A ton is happening in the Web3 space. Much good and some not so good. But we will cover all of that as well as a market watch. Before we do, as per usual, let's start with some gratitude, Jay. I have a feeling I know what your gratitude is going to be. But Jay, I will let you tell us what's going on. I had a baby. (laughs) Yeah, baby. baby. Son was born on June 4th. Jack Gordon Schwinghammer Hamilton came into this world on my birthday. We have the same birthday. I am grateful to Sam for making a clone of me on my birthday (laughs) with seven minutes to spare. It was 1130 all day. We were talking about how the baby had to come and we had to be birthday twins. The doctors, the nurses, it became the the running joke. Thankfully, Sam was an absolute champ in labor. So we were able to make jokes in the labor room (laughs) in the delivery. And with 30 minutes to go in the day, I said to the doctor, okay, if he's not born on the day, like we can just lie, right? And like fudge it and just say that it's, and the doctor, the doctor, to my surprise, said, yeah, no problem. If that's what you want to do, she didn't care. So I was like, great. And Sam's like, absolutely not. We're not doing that. So Sam just pushed like an absolute champ. And to the doctor's <laughs> great surprise, got that baby out with seven minutes to spare. The doctor said that Sam is a world-class pusher. I hope Sam doesn't think that's too much information for me to share. But beautiful experience, magical exhausting, overwhelming. We just got home from the hospital yesterday. Jack and Sam are both doing great. Jack was up all night crying, puking. Right before we recorded, I was changing his diaper. I'm getting used to that. If anybody out there has any tips on how to change diapers, please send them my way. If you have any parenting tips at all, how to get babies to sleep. Jack barely slept last night, but what a magical, beautiful experience. I couldn't be more, yeah, more stoked. There's nothing like looking at a human being that you created. It's wild. So first of all, Jay, congrats to you, to Sam, and welcome Jack to this world. It's a beautiful thing. So excited for you guys. So happy for you. So just want to say that first. So that's my first gratitude, but I do have two. Uh, But first, I just want to say, I got a text just before we started recording from Jay. It just said, be right there, just changing a diaper. And I just thought, oh, I'm going to see this text a lot over the coming years. Anyway, congrats, buddy. I'm so excited for you. And uh, thanks. Man. Amazing. We'll get some pictures someday for for the watchers, not for the listeners. But my yeah. gratitude actually goes my second gratitude because the first, of course, is Jay and Sam uh, and little baby Jack. 
my second gratitude goes to another couple actually that is currently pregnant, which is um, Eric and Josine. These are my friends that live in Portugal and Lisbon who I am here staying with them for two weeks while I'm at the Epic Web 3 conference. I'm just here to visit them. Amazing two individuals and they always are very welcoming to me and, and allow me to stay here. And so absolutely love them. And actually they, uh, just a, a quick shill, I guess, they have started a company in the crypto space where they build websites and do SEO and content creation for writers. They build websites for crypto and Web3 companies. They make these incredible sites. Eric was walking me through it this morning of what the sites look like. They're for like a marketing brochure type site and they're just, they're beautiful. They do it all for you. They also do all the SEO stuff and they've done just a really good job and they can do them really quick. So if anyone here listening needs a new site and you're in the crypto web three space, let me know. You can DM me on Twitter or I don't know, find me wherever you can find me and I'll pass along their information for you. But I'm um, very grateful for them. Awesome. What's up, Josine and Eric? I miss you guys. Great to hear you guys are doing so well. Can't wait to see your baby. We got an exciting event coming up uh, next week, next Tuesday. Tell us about that, Kai. We do. So we have another eyes on chain event that we do every single month, once a month which is basically we look on chain of everything happening across the industry. And we look at what are the things that are happening that are just kind of out of the ordinary or that are really important that we need to know. And so we've got five charts or usually it's five themes. It's usually actually a lot of charts about five themes of things to watch out for, the things that we're keeping our eye on, the things that you need to know. And so we will be diving into that. It's a live event held by myself and the team. We'll all be sharing a bunch of charts and information at 12 p.m. EST on June 13th. This is an event that's only available to pro members. So if you're not yet a pro member, make sure to do that. The link is in the show notes below to go to our newsletter where you can subscribe and become pro. That'll allow you to come to this event. There'll also be time for Q&A. And then as a pro member, you get private channels where you can speak to us. There's events all the time. You get discounts to a lot of things going on in the Web3 space and you get weekly on-chain analysis to help you build and invest in Web3. So lots going on. Make sure to come check that out. These events have been have been really cool. So excited for that. Awesome. Can't wait for that. Before we jump into the show, let's take a minute to hear from our sponsor who raised some money this week. What's did, gonna- and we'll talk about that later on on the show. The future of social media is here, and that future lives in Web3 on top of Lens Protocol. Web2 social platforms are broken and ripe for disruption. You see, the epicenter of social media is the creators, and yet they are the most neglected. Web2 platforms like Facebook, TikTok, and Instagram are all essentially robbing creators of their worth. Creators are a new type of entrepreneur, forming new types of businesses. Yet with Web2 platforms, creators don't own their content or their profiles, and that's their product and business. Instead, they are tied to the platforms they choose to create on. Well, just like how crypto is freeing us from banks, Web3 is freeing us from these centralized platforms. On Lens Protocol, creators own their content, own their profile, and even their social graph and followers in the form of NFTs. This allows you to move freely from one social application to another with your content, profile, and followers moving along with you. Lens Protocol enables self-sovereignty for your social graph and interoperability across the internet. At Web3 Academy, we believe this is the future of social, and that's why we partner with Lens, to ensure that the path of social media is heading in the right direction. Visit lens.xyz to learn more today. What's up, y'all doers? We're seeing signs on-chain of the very early stages of a crypto bull run. There's a big wave coming, and we want to make sure you're on it. Now's the time to capitalize on the opportunity. How, you ask? By starting to practice consistent dollar-cost average buys into strong network-based assets like Ethereum and Bitcoin. However, when buying, please make sure to use a trusted exchange. 
Our newest sponsor, ByDeFi, is a reliable exchange that offers you a platform to turn your fiat into crypto. They also offer awesome rewards, allowing you to earn up to $2,800 for completing easy tasks like setting up two-factor authentication and verifying your identity. If you're eager to get into the market, get started with ByDeFi now by visiting ByDeFi.com, that's B-Y-D-F-I.com, or clicking the link in the description below. Welcome back. All right, as always, we start the show with a market watch. Kai, what should everyone be checking out and keeping their eyes on this week in the markets? Yeah, so this was a volatile week. Now, volatile as it was, we're still just ranging through the same sort of numbers that we have for a while for both Bitcoin and ETH. So nothing really too crazy there. But of course, with what happened with Binance and Coinbase and SEC, we've had a bit of a volatile week. The interesting thing I think to understand and what I took away from this week anyway, was that typically in a bear market, when bad move comes out, when a bad news sorry comes out, markets will tank. You'll see a very aggressive move to downside. When good news comes out, it doesn't move all that much. And then on the other hand, in a bull market, bad news doesn't really impact price too much. And good news usually accelerates price. And then when you're in between, it's it just kind of depends. And so when the news came out of, of Binance and Coinbase being sued by the SEC, Immediately, there was like, I think ETH went down about 2 or 3%. That was about it. Bitcoin was maybe 4%. Some of the other tokens that were called securities went down a little bit further. But then almost immediately, they just started pumping. And so the day that the Coinbase news came out, that was on the Binance news. The day the Coinbase news came out, which is like two days after, ETH pumped like 5%. <laughs> so there was back over 1900 on the day that we find out that Coinbase is getting sued by the SEC. So, (laughs) you know, I think this is a sign that markets are fairly strong right now. If we were in a bear market and there was people who wanted to sell that were left that could sell or wanted to sell, they would be selling right now and they're not. So this tells me, I think we've got a strong foundation to build on top of. Um, So I think that's really good. What we're waiting for next, of course, as I always talk about, is either liquidity or macro to improve. So we're kind of just waiting to hear what, what happens with the Fed next in terms of interest rates in terms of liquidity. But as we've talked about many times, inflation has been plummeting for months and months now, which we have said would happen for months and months now as well. Unemployment was the thing that we've been talking about for the last couple of months, where we unfortunately need that to rise for the Fed to pivot and for liquidity to come out. They need growth to slow, essentially. And everyone said that unemployment is going to stay low, wages will stay high. And so the, the, you know, the Fed can't pivot. But on Friday, the numbers came out and unemployment surprised to the upside. Who was surprised? I was not. But some people continue to be surprised by these things. Look, that sucks for the economy. So I'm not happy about that. But ultimately, this is the the cycle we need to go through. And we always go through to get to the other side, which is assets go up and liquidity comes. The big thing I just want people to wrap their heads around is these numbers of inflation, these numbers of unemployment and wages, these are lagging indicators. They're extremely lagging from the physical real world of what's happening to when the numbers come in and are available to put out to the public. They're extremely, extremely lagging, okay? Both from physical to the numbers actually coming up, but also just based on, you can look at other indicators and other metrics that happened before, and you know that when those go down, this goes down, or when those go up, this goes up kind of thing. And so a lot of this you can actually see ahead of time, which is why I was able to tell most people that inflation's likely to go down. I've been screaming this for a long time now. And so if you think of inflation, when commodities start to go down, it usually means, okay, inflation is probably coming down, right? When rent prices and things like that start to come down, it means, okay, inflation is going to come down even further. Like all these things are signs that inflation numbers will come down, but some of them lag. There's like a domino effect. Same with unemployment. There's been a lot of people who have lost jobs, but it takes time to get your severance, 
and then your severance is up and then you go and apply to unemployment and then you're actually considered someone who's unemployed and then that to get to the government. Like, think about how slow the government is, right? These things are always lagging. So you need to look at not those indicators. You need to look at the things that come in front of it, which is why I'm always screaming to you guys about what I think is going to happen based off other indicators, not these things that the Fed updates on a monthly basis. It's usually very much behind. Now, the people who have been aware of this and, and are really understanding where the macro environment is at over the last six months have done really well because they've been deploying. And whether they've been deploying and you know it's risk assets, but whether that's crypto or tech, I mean, crypto is still up 60, 70% over the year. Tech and growth assets are up like 20, 40, 50%, depending on the ones you're in. So I mean, like, as crazy as this year has been, it's actually been pretty good. And so to wrap up on kind of where I see things going, now I don't want to go too, too in depth and detail, but this I will in some of our other events. But here's my base case on what I think is going to happen short term. Anyone's guess, right? We have no idea. You never really know in a short term. By short term, I mean like a month, two months, three months. You don't really know. There's liquidity issues with the debt ceiling in the US. So is that going to take a lot of liquidity out of the out of the markets, obviously the stuff with SEC, what does that mean? And then on the other hand, China has over the last week has been telling their banks to lower interest rates because they're worried about growth, which means they're going to be printing more money. So like, we don't know which way it's going to go in the short term in the immediate. But I think, and what I'm seeing is that by October-ish, somewhere by the, you know, let's say Q4, I think asset prices will be much higher than they are today. I see ETH over 3,000, probably Bitcoin up over 40,000. <laughs> the reason I see that is again from these indicators in terms of where interest rates and liquidity will be globally. And then also, if you just look at past cycles, we're basically mapping the last two cycles. It's really crazy. And this happens every time, which is wild. Now, again, it doesn't mean it's exactly going to play out. But if we look at last cycles, again, on the timing, early bull market, usually what happens in the, the year before the bull market really goes crazy, assets go up quite a bit. And that's why I see around like 3K for ETH, if not more. And I see that by around October. And then who knows, maybe it just ranges from there and just chills up at that level or it starts to come back down as a little pullback. We'll see. It's going to depend on a lot of things. And then Q1, Q2, I think we're full bull market. You know, we're printing money. There's lots of liquidity in the system and it's off to the races. So that's where I'm seeing. I mean, timing, it could change. It's not going to be perfectly on October 1st. So like it doesn't really matter. But medium term, I think things are looking really good. Long term, even better, right? I think we've got a full cycle ahead of us coming and that could be two, three years. The stuff doesn't happen immediately and it doesn't go in a straight line, but it never has and it never will. But again, if you don't want to be all caught up in the technicals of things and all these indicators, medium term, long term, if you at least have a year to five to 10 year time frame, just be buying. You know what I mean? Just be allocating. Don't go all in, obviously, but now's the time to be allocating, not once it's already started, not when the hype cycle is in. That's the last time you want to be doing it. You want to be doing it now. So that's my warning that I do every single week right now. And I will continue to do that until probably everyone's already starting to FOMO in. Then I'll be saying, hey, okay, let's chill out. Maybe put on the brakes. But that's the market watch for today, Jay. Let's get started on the show. What do you think? I love it. Optimism in the markets sounds great. Let's move from that to the good, the bad, and the Gary Gensler. What the <laughs> fuck is the SEC doing, Kai? You don't put Gary Gensler under the bad? He's in his own world? Oh, the ugly. No, he's the ugly. <laughs> <laughs> he is pretty ugly, too. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wasn't going to say that. I meant more like, you know, philosophically is the way he's treating this situation. But <laughs> Well, I think most of it. 
So, okay, here's the news for those that, uh, you know, are not spending their time on Twitter all the time like I am. Gary Gensler has come out, the SEC, I guess, has come out with some serious claims against Binance. This is what first started. I think it was on Monday that this happened and basically said they are suing them for like 12 different claims. And it ranges from an exchange for non-registered securities, and they're allowing that to happen to U.S. customers. And this is for Binance U.S. only, not Binance the like the massive exchange. So they're saying that they're allowing or enabling the exchange of non-registered securities. They are saying that they have been commingling funds. They have been taking users' funds and doing things with them. They are saying that they have been doing like insider trading. There's, there's a bunch of different stuff and it looks really, really bad. And they have scripts, I guess, or transcripts. I don't know where they exactly came from, whether it's text or emails or something of like the chief operating officer or chief financial officer basically talking about even saying like, bro, we're acting as a non-registered securities exchange in the US and like saying a lot of really <laughs> shitty things. I'm not going to get into all the details, but it was bad. Basically saying that BNB was a scam and you should sell it. And when you get it for your bonus, like a lot of things, it's quite ridiculous. But anyway, not all of that necessarily really matters because a lot of it, again, this isn't to Binance, the massive corporation, it's to Binance US is all that's impacted here. So We'll see where things go with that, but that's going to be a long drought thing. They're also targeting CZ himself. We are all sitting here hoping that this is not an FTX scenario. We are hoping that CZ is not Sam Bankman-Fried and he's not doing this thing with users' funds. He has told everyone that he has not been. For years, Binance has been great. They've been around for a very long time. It's not like FTX, which came around in the bull market last year and just like went nuts. This is a long-standing organization that has been great to the community, but you never know. So I'm not saying any side of the story. What was scary is CZ was on Bankless last week, and I was like, oh no, not this again. Sam Bacon Free went on Bankless. It was like a week later, and all of a sudden everything crashed. I was like, is that what's going to happen here with Binance too? <laughs> anyway, so far things seem okay, though Binance is dropping a lot of trading pairs on Binance US, and it's halted some like over-the-counter trading. So there, there seems to be some stuff that they're actually stopping probably just because they have to. That's about all we know on that yet. We don't know a ton. Obviously, Binance is going to, has, they've came back and said a lot of this is not true. And so this will be a long legal battle. So anyway, that is what it is. Next up that came, which was quite a surprise, sort of, but not really, because there's been a kind of a back and forth with Coinbase and SEC for a while now. But I think it was on, was it Wednesday or Tuesday, where all of a sudden it was announced that the SEC is also suing Coinbase for the same, sort of the same thing. Not commingling funds or any of that kind of stuff but just for allowing non-registered securities on their exchange and enabling users to, to trade them, right? So they listed off, I think, eight or nine different tokens, Solana being one of them, or Sol, Sand, I believe was one from Sandbox, Cardano, and a few others. And then same with Binance, they listed off about eight or nine. Some were the same as Coinbase's and some were not, even though they have all the same tokens. So that was kind of odd. ETH was not listed on there, even though that's what Gary continues to say is, well, he just won't actually say it is or is not a security. So just very odd. The other weird thing is the SEC is currently in a lawsuit battle with XRP because they're saying and claiming it's a security. And both Coinbase and Binance hold XRP, yet they didn't include XRP in either of these lawsuits. So there's just a lot of weird shit going on right now with Gary and the SEC. It seems like a lot of it's coming from bad faith, but I don't know. So I guess to wrap up or just to wrap up and then I'll let you say that you'd like Jay here is we saw some news from the Coinbase legal officer and he was like, you know what? We're welcoming this. We want to go to court because they're not going to settle. He basically says like, we can't come in and 
you know, figure out what is a security and what is not. We've asked, we have tried for years, and we're just simply not able to do it. They won't let us, they won't tell us what is a security. They can't comply. And so what's crazy is two years ago, Coinbase went public. And in order to do that, the SEC has to approve all the things for them, their S1, for them to actually go public, right? And so they have to review their entire business, make sure there's no unregistered securities on there, et cetera. Because what they're doing when Coinbase goes public is allowing the public investors like retail to invest in this company. That is the SEC's mandate is to protect investors. And so they have to ensure that companies before they go public are legit. And so that's what the SEC did is they let Coinbase go public with all of these assets currently. Cardano was already on Coinbase. Sol was on Coinbase, et cetera. They let them go public. And now all of a sudden they're coming back and saying, okay, these are securities, which is crazy because what happens is Coinbase stock tanked by 20% once Gary Gensler and SEC made this lawsuit. And so you, you basically allowed Coinbase to go public. You let investors go into it and then you go and sue them. And now investors that did invest just lost 20% in their investments. So like, are you really protecting investors or what the hell is going on here? This was great. So Brian just kind of gave a breakdown of, of what all happened, basically what I just said. And at the very end, if you can scroll to the bottom, he just says the way he signs off his tweet where he kind of addressed everyone on Twitter, he just says, and Brian Armstrong is the CEO of, and founder of Coinbase. He just says, we'll get the job done. In the meantime, let's keep moving forward and building as an industry. America will get this right in the end. So I think my last take is just Brian Armstrong is a legend. Coinbase is absolutely amazing. And they're going to get the job done. They've got the funds. They've got the team. And I think they'll beat Gary and hopefully we'll squash this. Just ridiculous. What a fugazi. <laughs> I just shake my head. These are supposed to be some of the smartest most capable leaders leading organizations like the SEC, and they're causing harm. They're going directly against their mandate. It makes no sense to me. I remember watching when Gary was in court in front of Congress recently, and they're asking him like very simple, direct questions. And is he just they asked? Oh yeah, like, completely. It's so ridiculous. How is that? being a leader. It's just, I don't understand what they are doing. I mean, obviously, I think this is great. Gary and the SEC, they're shooting their shot and yeah. it's going to push this into court. Finally, it's going to lead to some regulation and system standards that everyone can follow and we can move forward and build this incredible new self-custody money financial system, which we need so desperately I guess you got a bunch of old guys sitting in Washington that just want to hold on to the past, but let's move forward. I well, shout out to Coinbase, everything that there is to lead us through this. Some good news here. So there's a regulatory framework that came out and was put through legislation mm -hmm. recently. And Coinbase was there, their legal team was there talking about it. And he actually said that Congress and the politicians were very, very interested. They were very knowledgeable. They were very curious and were really trying to wrap their heads around this. And they said it was bipartisan. We're both agreeing on this and both trying to pass this through. And if this went through, it's not perfect by any means, this legislation in the US, but it's pretty darn good. I forget what the name of it is. But basically, if it goes through, it would pretty much stop these cases that the SEC is doing because we would have actual legal framework on what a security is and none of these would fall into that. So, and actually the legal officer from Coinbase said that he thinks this legislation will actually happen faster and get approved faster if it goes through, then this court will take to even get started, right? This is going to take months to years for it to get started slash for it to finish. 
XRP has been doing theirs for like two years already. It's not really going to affect much now because they've got to go to court and this shit just takes forever. So we've got plenty of time here. Let's move forward. On that note, usually we talk about our free mint of the week at the end of the show, but I'm going to talk about it right now. Free mint of the week this week is Stand with Crypto, which is a free mint that we actually talked about this before we do it, started doing the free mint of the week segment, but we talked about it about a month or even more ago. Uh, so this is a a shield that you can mint on Zora to show that you care about what's going on in crypto and in the US and you stand behind everything that we are fighting for, for self-sovereignty of our financial assets. So you can mint this for free right now. There's been 141,000 already minted and yeah, join the movement. Let's all stand together. I know it might not feel like a simple mint makes a difference, but when 140,000 people do something, people notice. So join in and show that you care. And we talked about this one before, but uh, we wanted to bring it right back up again. They've changed it a bit. So it actually is a different image. It's a QR code where you can learn learn more about what's going on. I think the it has become even more important. So mm-hmm. we wanted to bring it back up and hope, just remind you guys to mint it if you have not already. All right. Next story, Apple has launched Apple Vision Pro, their next generation goggle headset, which they are selling for $3,500. This thing ain't cheap, but it is going to put you into a AR or MR, which mixed reality world where you can do things within the environment that you are in. This is super exciting, Kai. I think that this is this has massive use cases across consumer use and business use. Obviously, there's lots of people, Google, Meta with Oculus, Microsoft with um, HoloLens. So lots of players in this space of these creating these AR, VR goggles. But Apple taking their shop with Apple Vision Pro what do you think about this? So like you said, this has happened. It's been done before in terms of Oculus, probably the biggest one that's done this. Google Glass did this before. The thing that I really like about what Apple's done here is their focus on AR rather than VR. Oculus went full on and they went straight from, okay, you've never seen VR before to like put these big goggles on and go into a virtual reality world and like play games and you got to move around in your room. And it's hard for, I think, people to like understand why they want to do that or just even like want to do that. Unless you're like a big gamer, then it's pretty niche of who's actually going to use that right now. But what Apple did is actually quite different. And their focus, their big thing here is AR. And it's actually, I think, a productivity tool. It has the potential to do all the VR stuff like Facebook did, right? You can do the games, you can do all that stuff. But I think what is really cool about this and why I'm actually super bullish on this and think that this will be the world's next big device that we all use is... You put this thing on your head and again, the tech will get better. It'll get smaller. Don't worry about that. And what you can do is sit there at your desk and without a computer, you can just look forward at your room and you can have three screens up in front of you or four or however many screens you want, just like you do with your current computer. Except you can do this from anywhere in the world without taking a bunch of computer screens with you. And you can work on documents, you can text, you can call, you can scour the internet, you can do whatever you would typically do on your computer plus four screens except you can do it all on one device and you don't need any of those physical devices there anymore. You can connect your keyboard to it or you can use one in the air. That's just in the AR world. You can use your mouse and trackpad, your AirPods, whatever. And you can work in there. 
okay? And you don't need a computer, which is pretty freaking cool in my opinion. And I think that just makes complete sense because what's great about it is if someone walks into the room, you can see them. You're not escaping from reality. You're still in reality. You're just have screens in better positions for your body, number one. And they're just, they're bigger and they're easier to see and use. And if someone walks in like close enough to you, they actually go in front of those screens. So it makes it feel like it's real because it is. You're actually seeing what's happening in the real world while just kind of working. And I think that is a massive productivity tool that people can get behind, right? Like, why would you buy a computer next time if you can just get one one of these? It's about the same price as a MacBook. And then plus to add on top of that, this thing, you can go, let's say in an airplane, put it on, and now you can be working without anyone else around. You can go full VR or you can watch a movie that is just like super immersive in 3D on the airplane right? You put your AirPods in, you can't hear or see anyone else. That's incredible. They had a partnership with Disney where you can bring like Mickey Mouse and others characters like into your home and just like play with them. These are amazing functionalities, right? The big thing I see here is like, okay, 3,500 bucks. Not a lot of people are buying this, but it's called Apple Vision Pro, right? Which likely means, and I don't know, but likely means that this is a pro version and they will have a light version or just a normal version come out in the coming I don't know, months to years, whatever, who knows. And that's probably the more affordable one, the $1,000, $1,500, whatever it is that goes mainstream for everyone to use, right? And I think their strategy here is the same as what Tesla did. Elon knew that he couldn't create, he wanted to create the cheapest EV, like highest quality electric vehicle, autonomous vehicle that anyone in the world could buy, right? That was his strategy so that he could achieve his goal of like, you know, saving the planet essentially. And in order to do that, though, he could he didn't have the battery packs made in, in efficient enough and profitable enough for this to work. He couldn't make the cars to sell them for 30K or whatever. Right. And so what he had to do was sell extremely high quality, expensive, like luxury cars for hundreds of thousands in the beginning. Why? Because that allowed them to get some revenues and prove concept to then go and build the batteries in a more scalable way. Right. And to build other parts in more scalable ways. And so I think Apple is doing the same idea here. They probably don't have all the tech finalized yet. So they want to sell it for a little bit higher. And that way they don't get the mainstream on yet. But this will allow them to improve their, their production costs and the technology around that so that they can build something that is you know more suitable for mainstream. And then I think one last thing is I also understand with technology, technology, especially hardware, always gets better, right? Which means that Yes, the thing is still like goggle and that is kind of weird, but like so were phones when we first started using an iPhone. That was kind of weird and cell phones in general. A lot of these things are weird in the beginning and then they be just they make your life so much better that you just use them regardless, right? So it's just kind of like no one thought we'd have computers in our homes and now we have them not only in our homes, but also in our pocket, right? I wouldn't worry too much about that. The other thing is I think they will, this thing will get much smaller and it will get more like maybe a pair of glasses or something in the future. And it'll be something that just makes sense that you wear around normally. That's where I see it going. Again, that's just me going to where the puck is, skating to where the puck is going, not where it is now. And so I guess to bring this back to Web3 in any way is this is the thing that I think is going to bring people into the metaverse. Oculus didn't do it because they went too far into VR, right? Whereas this is like, let's go halfway and let's just Mm -hmm. make sure that this thing makes everyone's lives better and gets used to doing this like mixed world, right? And then we can go full VR if we need to, which we don't even necessarily have to. But that's where the metaverse stuff comes in. And of course, as we always say, the more we go into the digital world, the more that we rely on the digital world, the more we need digital rights, which is why blockchain is bound to be 
the main infrastructure of the entire internet because it's the only thing that gives us digital rights, self-custody, the freedom to transact, the freedom to self-custody, all the things that we need for a fair digital world. And so this just leads us there. Now, is Apple going to enable NFTs and all that stuff? Probably not. But at least it's going to educate and teach a lot of people about the metaverse and these sort of like virtual worlds and digital worlds. And I think that is huge. And so I support it. I'm all for it. I won't buy it at 3500 but I will buy maybe the next version or the one after that. I'm not sure. What about you, Jay? Would you buy this? First, I just want to say Apple will support NFTs as long as you pay the 30% tax. So, <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. They're, they're not saying they won't. They just want their 30%. I would not buy it at $3,500, but I think we all need to jog our memory for a second. When Apple has done this so many times, when they first came out with the iPod, everybody said, Who's going to pay? I don't even remember what the first iPod was, but who's going to pay it was hundreds of dollars? Who's going to pay hundreds of dollars to have 10,000 songs in their pocket? We already had CD discmans. Like we had a way to listen to music. And everyone's like, ah, nobody's going to do that. And then look what happened. We all did it. Then the iPhone came out and big time. That one I remember. I remember that. Steve no Jobs used touchscreen. Nobody's going to use touchscreen and no one's yeah. going to pay $1,000 for a phone. Right? Yeah. Boom. We all did it. Then the AirPods came out. Everybody right. said the same thing. The AirPods are ridiculous. Kyle and I are both wearing AirPods right now. I'll bet you <laughs> most of our listeners are listening to this. Are listening to this on AirPods, right? So yeah. this is what Apple does best, right? Yeah. They are a incredible hardware development company that makes hardware that is mass use for consumers and they see the future they see ahead now as you said kai meta i think messed up with oculus by going full vr because they didn't really realize vr makes you sick i don't know if you spent time in in oculus and in their vr world i can max 30 minutes probably even like 10 to 20 minutes in it whereas with apple this is the other thing i want to say here do you notice they're not calling it augmented reality they're calling it mixed reality that is right. genius branding by apple right augmented most terrible people, word augmented reality terrible word right yeah. most people don't even know what that means mixed reality very simple makes way more sense so and then when i think about bringing the internet into new devices right well when you think about there's so much data on the internet that would be amazing to be able to not have to search to find but to be able to find it in a mixed reality way. So if I'm looking at something, then I should be given data about that. Like the easy example is I'm walking down a street and I look at a store and the headset or the glasses, you're probably not going to be wearing this massive headset in the future. The glasses I'm wearing, they know my location because I've given them access to that. I look at a store and they tell me there's a sale going on in the store or these products are available in the store. I walk into the store and I look at a product and it tells me reviews about that product. I walk out of the store and I want to get on the bus and I look at the bus stop and the bus schedule comes up. It tells me where the next bus is and what the traffic is. Like all these things are going to make our lives so much better and so much more seamless. Now, hardware has to happen first. All these applications happen after. But that's a great point. There are some things that are just better in the digital world than the physical world. And there are some things that are just better in the physical world than the digital world. 
And so let's merge the two together and have the best of both worlds. That's what Apple is trying to do. And the people that go, well, we're not going to look at screens for that much time. Like we're not going to look in that thing for so long. Like that's crazy. Dude, everyone here already looks at a screen on their phone or their laptop or their TV all day. This is just making it a little bit different, right? Instead of having to look down at your hand, you can just continue to live your life and happen to see things as you walk around and do life. So it's actually going to make it better for you. You know what I mean? Now, of course, not yet. The goggles are still ridiculous. Though like they don't look terrible in my opinion. I know it's a big me on Twitter, but they'll get better. That's just how this stuff works. All right. Let's go from $3,500 goggles to $42,000 NFTs. We're talking about big price items today. Louis Vuitton, one of the largest luxury fashion brands in the world, is launching NFTs for $42,000. Now, there's a lot to be said about this because this is very interesting what they're doing. First up is obviously if they're launching NFTs for $40,000, you can bet it's very few supply. We don't exactly know what the supply is, but it's a few hundred. It's going to be very small. And these NFTs are a treasure trunk is what they're calling them. It's going to give you access to Louis Vuitton's digital collectible hub, to their community. And by owning one of these treasure trunk NFTs, you're also buying a Louis Vuitton trunk. So these are basically like a physical back token where you're not just getting the the digital version, you're getting a physical version. And let's Louis Vuitton trunks cost, I don't exactly know which trunk this is going to be, but a Louis Vuitton trunk costs anywhere from like $10,000 to like $60,000. So they're probably actually pricing this similar to what their physical item would cost. Now, here's what's interesting about this. These NFTs that they're selling, they're soul bound tokens. This is the first time that we've seen anybody sell a soulbound token. Usually when we see soulbound tokens, they're free that you're given as a way of verification or a certification for maybe a college degree or something. You took the Web3 rabbit hole course that we have. You get a soulbound NFT to prove that you have knowledge of Web3, right? So but we haven't seen anybody sell a soulbound token yet. So that's very interesting. Kai, we can chat about that in a second. It being a soulbound token, when you buy this as part of owning this, they're saying that they will, you will get access to what they're calling keys, and the keys will not be soulbound. What those keys get you access to, unclear, but it sounds like you would be airdropped or given the chance to buy these keys first and then. These keys won't be sold down. So there will be some investment speculation opportunity as part of this ecosystem that Louis Vuitton is launching. And look, let's remember, this isn't Louis Vuitton's first move here into the metaverse and into Web3. LVMH, Louis Vuitton's parent company, they own Tiffany's, they own Hennessy. Both those companies have already done things in Web3 with great success. So yeah, just seeing more come here. Kai, I'm curious to know what you think about this and if you have any thoughts on their decision to make it a sold down token. Yeah. So first I would say, you know what I'm excited for is when instead of this headline saying Louis Vuitton to release a $42,000 NFT, it's Louis Vuitton to release a $42,000 treasure trunk. That's what it is, right? It is a $42,000 treasure trunk. And part of that, there's a physical treasure trunk and there's a digital treasure trunk that creates a digital experience for Louis Vuitton fans, loyal fans, Mm -hmm. right? The technology that powers that just happens to be an NFT 
just like the technology that powers that also just happens to be the internet, right? So should we include that in the headline, right? Eventually, <laughs> these headlines will have nothing to do with NFTs. And that's the problem is people still go $40,000 NFT. No, guys, it's $42,000 treasure trunk, right? Mm. Now, there's a physical treasure trunk, which may or may not be worth $42,000. And there's a digital treasure trunk that gives experiences, which may or may not be worth $42,000. doesn't really matter. It's just a product. They didn't just sell a random NFT and ask for $42,000. They're actually giving value to their mm. customers, right? And so again, it's just the NFT is just a technology that powers this so that when someone buys it, they can actually self-custody it and you have interoperability to go and do other things along the internet with it. That's it, right? And so again, I want people to always understand that. And eventually these headlines will go away. It's not the NFT that anyone's buying. It's the physical good and or it's the digital good and or it's the digital experience that comes from that digital good, right? So that is one. Number two, I love that it's a sold by NFT because this removes all speculators, right? Usually these NFTs are being sold where people buy them. Some people buy them because they want the product. Others buy them because they happen to get in first and they can then sell it to others, right? Like a scalper, right? And that's that's all Web3 is. That's all this volume we have on Blur. These are just scalpers, right? Which is Jay has called many times or the scum of the earth, I think is what you called them. Right? I do say that, yes. <laughs> but Louis Vuitton, who doesn't need scalpers because they already have a massive loyal customer base who likes to buy exclusive expensive things because that's just who they are, which is fine. And they don't need scalpers. They don't need speculators to buy their NFT because they're selling a product. They're selling an experience, right? That people value enough to pay $40,000. And so why not make it a soulbound token? Just like if you buy something and you want that experience, go do that experience, right? You don't need to sell it. And so I think they're going to do great with this. And I, I love it. I think it gets rid of all these scalpers, whatever you want to call them. And I'm really excited for that. I think more people need to do this because what this proves here, or what I guess Louis Vuitton needs to prove is that they actually are giving value here, right? Because it's just real people are going to buy this because they actually want it. And there's no other reason to buy it now. And so if it sells for 42,000, they've made something worth that. And I think that is super cool. And most businesses, even if it is not a sold out NFT, before you sell that NFT, you need to ask yourself if someone would buy it if it was, right? Mm -hmm. You're going to put an NFT, regardless of what type it is, for $5,000, for $100. Ask yourself, if I made this soulbound, would I sell out? And if you wouldn't, don't fucking sell it. Don't put it up. That's how this should work. Now, obviously, there's some benefit to people having some secondary sales and blah, 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 whatever. Like That's great. And that, that market's going to happen regardless. And I understand that. But as an entrepreneur who should be creating real world value, because that's how sustainability exists, that's how you create a long term business or product. That's the question you need to ask yourself before you launch. That's my hot life. take. Hot take, Kyle. I really like that. The other thing that stands out to me about this is in order to register for this sale, so you have to go through a registration process. So you got to register, you got to connect your wallet, and then they are going to choose who gets an opportunity. Basically, they'll create an allow list. You actually also have to go through an orientation session. And I love this. I think this is fantastic. More companies should be doing this is that, wait, before you buy my product, I'm actually going to give you a chance to go through an orientation session. It makes me think about I don't know, Kai, if you've ever been traveling in Mexico or the Caribbean and they're trying to sell you timeshare in their hotel. It's a sales pitch, but this makes so much sense. 
is a big part of what you're building when you sell a product digitally is you have an opportunity to build community because now you can bring all those people into a community, whether it's on Discord or wherever it is. And if you want to build community, you need to tell your community and teach them things. And an orientation session does that beautifully. So I really love that part of this playbook, something I think more brands will start to do in the future. Well, also, it just adds to the value. And like, think about most things that you buy. Well, most of us don't buy things that this valuable. But when you buy things that are like $50,000 plus, or like when you buy exclusive um, luxury type things, there's typically a physical experience with that thing that you buy. Like when you go buy jewelry, you go to the store, oftentimes they give you a drink and it's like this whole experience while you try on or you test out this jewelry, right? For cigars, you buy really high-end cigars, you usually go to a cigar taste, like a cigar sitting thing. High-end liquors, you usually go to a tasting. This is how it works. And so when people are trying to sell $100,000 pixelated images, the value has got to be there for someone to want to buy it. And so oftentimes some sort of experience like that where you meet the people, it just makes sense. Again, as you said, because it's community, but also because that's just the way that you give experiences to luxury items. Just how it works. going to be really interesting to watch this one. I think LVMH knows what they're doing and I'm not going to spend $40,000 on this, no. obviously, but I think they're showing a playbook for the future. Okay. I'd buy two to... Apple Pros before I uh, before I bought that. <laughs> Actually, no, I'd buy, what, 20 ETH. I was going to say, how many ETH would you buy? <laughs> Let's go to Atomic. Atomic Wallet was unfortunately hacked this week. Kai, tell us what happened here. Yeah, so this um, came out on uh, on the 3rd of, of June and Atomic Wallet, we have their, their tweet up here, which said, we've received reports of wallets being compromised. We're doing all we can to investigate and analyze the situation. Uh, as we have more information, we'll share it accordingly. About less than 1% of their monthly active users were affected by this. And a hacker of some sort, we don't know who it is, basically drained 32 million dollars worth of user funds. It's brutal. It sucks that this still happens in this space. I don't know a lot about Atomic Wallet, not going to lie. But when I go to their Twitter, it looks like they have 5 million active users or 5 million users in total. Their whole brand, like if you click on their profile, Jay, just click on their, their photo there. It's all about how it's a decentralized and secure wallet, which sucks, right? Like your keys, your crypto. Yet what this hack was, as far as we know, is someone was able to access the seed phrase of these wallets. Now, how we don't know. This was not a phishing attack, which is what usually happens here. Some people were saying that it was like a firmware upgrade. I think that was is not the truth. I think that was just a rumor because that's what people learned it was possible with Ledger. And so now all of a sudden people just connected to this. Turns out it wasn't that. There was a lot of rumors that it was the Atomic team who actually did this. That we still don't know. They haven't tweeted much. They haven't really said what's going on. They haven't like apologized or they haven't really done much. And probably because they still just don't know what's happened. So you just don't say anything at that point, but I don't know. It's weird they haven't said anything. But what the best guess we have so far is actually this is attributed back to the what's called Lazarus Hackers, which is the group from North Korea that also hacked the Ronin Bridge for like $600 million. So anyway, the, the summary of this basically is we still don't know what's happened. We don't know how this has happened yet. Assets are probably not safe if you are still using Atomic Wallet. So my recommendation, if you are, is to get them off and go somewhere else. We have an article coming out that will help guide you on how to secure your assets in case you don't know how. But the thing I would say is just like stick to the big names here. Like Atomic Wallet, I have no idea what they are. I don't, I've never heard of them, which is weird because I obviously I live in this space. There's no reason not to use MetaMask or Coinbase Wallet. Just do it. 
You know, it maybe Atomic Wallet has like a little bit better features, probably not, but none of them have a 10x better feature. So just use the main ones that we know are secure and are battle tested. Stop risking your money by putting things in new infrastructure and new technology. Like just, it doesn't make sense. I don't know why people would use this, but anyway, I feel bad. It sucks. And uh, we've got to figure this out. We've got to improve it. And so that's a, that's the most important thing for our industry is to figure out how to secure wallets in an easy fashion with good UX. Stay safe out there, folks. Yeah, sucks. Definitely sucks. Let's move on to Frank Degods and the Dust Lab team, which is the team behind the Degods and Utes NFT collections, have launched DID or DID. I'm not exactly sure how you say it. It's D-E-I-D. This is an identity platform. Very, very interesting to see lots of stuff happening in the identity space. The identity layer is such a massive layer of the internet. It's a massive layer of our world, of our financial system, of our travel, of our citizenship. And bringing identity on chain is something that we have talked about. It is such a massive use case of blockchain that we see for the future. We talked about WorldCoin recently and what they're doing with World ID. Kai, you're in Portugal. Have you scanned your eyeball at an orb yet? I have not yet. I kind of forgot about that, but um, I will probably do it next week. Okay. Okay. Well, you got to let us know next week. We'll come back to that question. And let me just tell you a little bit about, we're not going to dive deep into identity right now, but let me tell you about DID, D-I-D, it's hard to say, that DeGods has launched here, Dust Labs has launched. So it offers authentication on Ethereum, Polygon, and Bitcoin. What's interesting about this, there's a few features that they have announced as part of this. And their focus is really just making Web3 more user-friendly. One feature is that you can delegate your NFT from a cold wallet to a hot wallet so that if you want to do something with that NFT, the use case that they're giving an example of is to access Discord. So if you want to access a Discord community using an NFT, well, it's a little bit risky right now because Discord doesn't have a native integration. You've got to use whatever plugin that community has decided, and you have to give access to your wallet, to your NFT, to verify that you own an NFT in order to get into that community. But this DID allows you to very simply delegate to another wallet the ability to use that NFT in order to access community. So it's a way to keep your NFT safe, but still use its utility. Very smart. Another thing that they're doing is users can now connect your Twitter account to the ID. And automatically when you do that, you will be followed by the gods and Utes, which are their two collections. And if you sell the NFT, you will be unfollowed by them. So the goal of this is to create a Twitter native source of truth for verified users. So you can imagine a future that allows one click for all verified users to be followed. And now you have a means, especially right now when we don't, we have wallet to wallet communication in the backend. We've had a few people on the show before XMTP and push protocol to talk about wallet communication, but we haven't really rolled that out at mass yet. And we obviously need a way to communicate with our product owners. If we're going to sell a product, you want a way to directly communicate with them and tell them what's going on, what's happening next. And this is a simple way that you could do that with the ID. So very smart. So some cool things happening there. Love seeing that. Love seeing 
experimentation. We need more of this in the identity space. Absolutely. Jay, let's move to our DAO of the month next and then get our quick hits out of the way. Uh, I got to get to our uh, our big event happening in Lisbon before the Epic Web 3 conference. So, Oh, geez. Okay. DAO of the month. Who do we have for DAO of the month? We had a great showdown this week between Metis DAO, Alliance DAO, the Gallery DAO, and City DAO. And the winner with over 40% of the votes was Gallery DAO. Gallery DAO is focused on supporting artists in the digital art space, and they provide service, including they host virtual exhibitions, they facilitate the sale of digital art pieces, and they're really focused on you know creating a more equitable and inclusive art world that prioritizes artists' needs and growth. This is something that we talked about a lot on last week's podcast with Nigel, the founder of Vault, about music and how we need to make sure artists have more opportunities to monetize and make money so that they can continue to make their art. Also, Gallery Dow recently launched Lens AI in the Lens Protocol ecosystem, and that's an innovative platform combining AI and blockchain for a decentralized approach to the art industry. Uh, so some cool things happening with Lens as well. So shout out to Gallery Dow. Way to go. Dow's month. Congrats. Quick hits. We're going to talk Dude. about Lens as well. Lens raised $15 million. Lens did. And this is a big, so it's a seed raise of $15 million that just and was announced like just before we came on and started recording. But some pretty big names that came along with this raise that were quite interesting. I mean, one of the partners here was Tencent, which is one of the biggest tech companies in Asia. I mean, Kraken was involved in terms of, you know, big companies just in the crypto space, but also some of the names. Hayden Adams from Uniswap was one of the angels. Alex from OpenSea, Balaji. We had Sandeep from Polygon. We had Kevin from Gitcoin. So it's a really star-studded team that I guess believes in Lens Protocol and what they're doing. And I think what's great about this raise is this will allow them to accelerate the adoption, accelerate the technology of what they're building here on Lens. I mean, we obviously love what Lens is doing. They've been a sponsor and a partner of ours for like nine months almost now. And what they've built, for those that are not here, is incredible. The big thing they need is to make it scalable and then open it up to the public. And once we have that, man, this thing is going to be amazing because it is such a better user experience than just Twitter and Instagram and Facebook and jumping around to all these different platforms. For the creator, number one, it is incredible for the creator. And even for the user, number two. Now, of course... In terms of UX, like you got to sign transactions and things like that is not better. But in terms of the interoperability and the functionalities that it gives you, it's incredible. And actually for pro members, actually it's for free for everyone today. We have put out our pro report today for everyone. We opened it up to everyone to see because it is the one year report on Lens. And so we did an on-chain analysis to see the performance. We looked at their activity, the growth. We looked at the different apps and what people are actually using in their market share. We looked at how people are making money and how much money. So the economics towards it all and, and a bunch of metrics. It's really, really cool. Anyone can check that out right now. So again, just go to our pro page uh, on our newsletter and it's the top one. You'll see it uh, and you can read it for free. So, and there's also a trial associated with that. So for those that want a free trial to pro to get more of these, because we do them every week, you can sign up for that as well. Next up, Adidas Alts releasing some coins. What's this? Yeah, so chapter two, in the Adidas Alts journey or experience has just started. And as part of this, if you own an Adidas Alt, you're now going to be given coins. Now, 
they haven't really, they're just teasing this. You can't use the coins yet. But basically, there's, there's speculation that these coins are going to allow you to participate in a vending machine-like trait acquisition. So you'll be able to use your coins. You'll be able to put them into a vending machine, a digital vending machine, in order to choose what traits you want for your alt. This is one of the big things that we talk about in Web3. There's this incredible opportunity to capture attention by having very engaging steps or gamified mechanics of collecting and burning and minting, all these things that you can do to bring your audience back with attention. And Adidas is doing that here with coins. So very exciting to see. Well, I'll keep you guys updated this. I'm an alt holder. So I'll let you know this chapter goes until the end of June. So you get your coins now. So if you're an alt holder, just make sure you get your coins. And then what you do with them will happen at the end of June. The SEC is going to be coming for Adidas next because they've got coins. Speaking of the SEC, are they going for pool together or is pool together going to win their lawsuit? Kai, what's going on? Well, this one I don't think was against the SEC. What this was is so there was a lawsuit to from pool together that came out, I think it was last year, maybe even longer. And it's so ridiculous. So pool together is basically this like, education type tool that allows you to put money together and learn and somewhat like about DeFi. And this person who, as far as we know, is friends with politicians. The politician I'm talking about is Elizabeth Warren, who hates crypto. Basically what she did, or he, I'm not even sure, put like a dollar or $3 or something inside of this pool and it lost money. And she sued pool together. The protocol that enabled this to happen because she lost money, which is just ridiculous. Pool together is such a great company, <clears throat> did nothing wrong here, and now has to pay all these legal fees. So there was these NFTs that launched to help raise money, and, and the crypto world kind of stuck together on this and helped fundraise. But the judge, this came to court, and the judge was like, there's no harm to this person whatsoever. Why is this a court case? And he just dismissed it. So the case is dropped. It's no longer going to happen. And whoever it was that you know, took this to court, I just want to say things that I probably can't say on this podcast. So I'll just save it <laughs> <laughs> and we'll leave it at that. But congrats to pull together for not having to do uh, to fight through this any further. It's probably been such a pain. All right. Next up, Fidenza sells for, holy geez, 625 ETH, which is 1.15 million US doll hairs. Yeah. Amazing. What bull market. This is the second Fidenza in over a month that has sold for over a million dollars. We all get the use case for digital art. If you don't get that use case, here it is playing out. We're in the middle of a bear market and a piece of digital art is selling for over a million dollars US. And it's a beautiful piece of art. You can see it on screen here, Kai. I don't know what you think about it, but generative art is so cool. The main thing to know here is that as this bear market continues, there continues to be a lot of great money flowing to digital art. And we might be seeing the beginning of NFTs are just getting crushed. Everybody's bags are down. Everybody's, you know, down 90 plus percent. But digital art is, I wouldn't say they're up, but they're continuing to be strong. Obviously, a piece like this is way up. But across the board, if you look at art blocks, they're doing very well. And we might continue to see that over the summer. So Really, really great. Exciting to see this use case play out. There's also an auction happening. I believe it's happening this week, next week from Sotheby's where they're auctioning off 
three arrow capitals nft collection so there will be more much more digital art being auctioned off in the next weeks so we'll probably have more large pieces selling at large prices jay is the artsy creative type in this relationship <laughs> of kyle and jay so this is more your wheelhouse than mine although i get it i obviously understand why i just at least not in this stage of my life i'm not buying expensive art i just could care less let's do the last one jay let's end this off and do our last quick hit of the episode okay active addresses hit an all-time high last month. This is A16Z. We talked about this report they put out in the state of crypto a long time ago and said that you can always watch up-to-date numbers on activity on chain as well as developers and things like that. And so they just shared a, a picture of their report here, which you can check out uh, on their site, a16ccrypto.com slash state of crypto. And it's looking at April because I think they do some analysis over the month and then it comes out. And we went from 15 million active users on chain. Now this is active addresses, but they think it's a good proxy for unique users, which was at 15 million in March. And it jumped up to 19 point, I think it's like one or 2 million or something like that in April. So a big jump. And what's just really interesting about this chart is there is no bear market in this chart at all, right? Like very beginning of 2020, and it's just literally up only the entire way which is incredible to see during a bear market. It just never has happened like this before. So that's really cool. I think the other interesting thing is we did a pro report also speculating on how many people are using Web3. We used a bunch of ridiculous numbers to try to figure this out because obviously if you just look at all while it's interacting on chain across all the main chains, it's in the like 80 million or 90 million or something like that because people have multiple wallets and there's bots, et cetera. So we did some calculations and we actually came up with 22 million in the month of April and we put this out last month, way ahead of what these guys have done. And hey, we were pretty darn close. So bullish Web3 Academy Pro and the on-chain analysis team at Web3 Academy Pro, A16Z is like a billion dollar company. We are a tiny little media platform that started last year. And I'd say we're probably better than they are analyzing on-chain. What do you think, Jerry? I think we're all great at what we do and we're all helping educate dad. What a dad. Such a dad. Into Web3. The main thing here to me is it's not that last month we hit an all-time high. It's that we were up significantly over the previous month. It's a big jump. Right? Very big We've had three months in a row of all-time high, but May was up, what, like 25, 30% over the previous month. So- that's awesome to see. That's a wrap on today's show. Kai, good luck at Epic Web 3. Enjoy meeting all our fans and everybody that's going to be at the event tonight. Uh, if you guys are in Portugal, have fun meeting Kyle and enjoying that conference. Everybody listening in today, thanks so much for listening in. As always, take a minute, give us a follow, a like, a comment, or a review on whatever platform you are digesting our wonderful voices on we appreciate it so much. Let's get Web3 to the masses. Let's bring more people on chain. Let's teach them all how to invest and to build with confidence. Have yourself a great weekend, folks. Thank you for listening to Web3 Academy, your one trusted source to capitalize on the next big phase of the internet. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it and subscribe or follow so that you don't miss the next one. While you're at it, there's a link in the description for our free newsletter where we provide timely, and relevant Web3 insights so you can confidently build and invest in Web3. Make sure to subscribe today. One final note, this podcast is for educational purposes only and nothing we say is financial advice. Crypto and Web3 are risky and you should never invest more than you're willing to lose. Thank you, friends, and see you in the next one.